Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hi, guys. Welcome back to the show. Of course, I have another rock star back on repeat offender, Tina Clark. Oh, my gosh. Welcome back. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I love it. I'm a repeat offender. That's, <laughs> I, I will. I gladly hold that title. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So it's funny. Okay. Uh, so, you know, Tina's a RDH and I'm a DA. And every time we talk, we just keep talking. And last time we got off the podcast, we're like, okay, there are some really cool things that we could do to help other DAs and RDHs work together. So we came up with this super awesome idea is, here you go, ready? My drum roll. Are dental assistants and hygienists roommates or are they couples? All right, so I'm gonna let Tina explain, but here's my two scenarios. Scenario A, the dental assistant is done with all of their patients. Their rooms are shut down, sterilization's cleared off, and they're hanging out in sterilization, just talking. And the dental hygienist is, she's got two dirty rooms. She's still running behind because of course that last patient needs like four quadrants of sealant, some arrest in place, and you know, a whole like debriefing of periodontal disease. And then there's the dental assistants again, sitting in sterilization, watching this poor dental hygienist, like getting backed up and they're not going to rescue them. Like, okay. So that's scenario a, so scenario B, the dental hygienist is on time. Everything is going smoothly and the dental assistant still jumps in to help her. Like, Hey, is, can I bag your room for you? Oh, do you need to do chart notes? Let me shut this down. Oh, let me grab your instruments for you. I can clean them. Like I have other patients. I'm not totally shut down, but if we do this together, teamwork is dream work kind of thing. Like we can both leave here at the same time. What, what are the scenarios? So, so explain to us, Tina, what A is and what B is. All right, Rhonda. So, uh, scenario A, um, I can, I will say in my opinion is the roommate situation, right? Where it's like, this is, this is my space. That is your space. I will not come over. I'm not going to do anything. You're that's your bedroom. That's your bathroom. You're in charge of cleaning it. I ain't touching it. I don't care. Um, so that's, in my opinion, the description you provided was that. And in scenario B, I would say that's a couple. That's a, uh, two individuals that care about the space that they're in, that it is, as you said, it's treat, it's, uh, teamwork for the dream work, uh, where they're like, okay, you know, we, we want to make sure that the space that we are in is always clean and healthy and happy. And what can we do together to make that happen? Oh, I love it. Okay. So, I mean, let's take you guys, seriously, put your thinking caps on take you and your hygienist out of the office. Let's say you're a couple, the same rules apply. So how pissed off at your spouse would you be if they were home all day and you came home to a sink full of dirty dishes, the laundry's not done. There's no dinner, even the thought of what to make for dinner in their head. And you've been working all day and then switch that scenario around and you come home and there's a meal on the table. The laundry's folded. Like the dishes are done. The bills got paid. They worked and you worked. And at the end of the day, you get those three hours to just chillax, you know, either read a book or play a board game together. Like how much happier are you? <laughs> well, it is, it is. Um, it makes for a lot of cohesiveness. And I, and I want to say Rhonda that 
in those scenarios that you presented, especially scenario A, you know, that could easily also be the hygienist who's all done and just chilling out in the sterilization area or standing up front and talking with the office manager while the assistant is still back, you know, busting their butt, trying to get everything all cleaned up and turned around. So I, I, I want to point that out uh, for everyone that it's, it's not just uh, going to be the dental assistant that's going to be doing that. And it's hygienists are just as equally guilty. So I want to, I want to spread the blame game on that one. Oh, absolutely. So this one time in band camp, I worked with a dental hygienist that would only clean her instruments. So she could have a whole hour where there's like a no show and she would leave all of our instruments piled up and only sterilize hers. Like I'm talking the whole thing from the ultrasonic to rinsing, to drying, to packaging and putting them in the sterilizer. Like it would be half empty and she would sterilize her instruments and not ours. So I know exactly what you're talking about. It goes both ways. And so, okay, I got, here's a better question. Everybody can relate to the information we're sharing right now, right? We all live this at work to some degree. How do you take a roommate and what, like what tips you would give to turn a roommate into a couple scenario? Like what would be some good pivot points? Well, honestly, I think it automatically comes down to communication and being brave enough to have that communication happen. Because, you know, when you're in that kind of scenario, there's a lot of emotions that come along with it. And communication can become a highly uh, volatile sometimes where listening stops happening. So working together with the communication, maybe even seeing about having somebody come in as an intermediary, and it could be, you know, another person from the office that could come and help kind of bring a team approach discussion to it. Um, but really come together and find out what are the, what are the common grounds? What are the things that the two individuals can agree upon and start building that, uh, relationship from that point. Dude, I, yes, I second, third and fourth that because so like, I like the third party idea. So all you have to do is ask for feedback from people around you. And a lot of times that will be admin. Like I've done this before where I'm like, I know you see what happens in the back. I know that you experience our energies like clashing or whatever. Like if you were me as, you know, an outsider, what do you think either of us could do differently to make today easier? And it really is helpful because they'll be like, well, you were, you were in behind because you kept talking to that patient, even though the doctor told you to dismiss him and you should have taken those, um, x-rays at the start of the appointment. And then we wouldn't run into this bottleneck. Like, Oh, that like, this is like constructive criticism from a third person. Who's not heated in the moment as in you didn't do this, or you didn't do that, or it's your fault. Like the blame game thing. Yeah. I totally see that. Yeah. And you know, Rhonda, I think sometimes we forget to have grace for each other in those kinds of scenarios, because especially when we're dealing with patient care, there's, there's a whole fourth person involved that is the wild card variable. Like we have no control over how our patients are going to react if they want to sit after their treatment and continue to ask questions and talk and discuss things. And like, how do you, you know, (laughs) you know, that brings in that other layer of frustrations because I think, you know, all these scenarios that we're talking about generally tend to have something to do with running behind. And so I think we have to remember that whole aspect and just constantly be thinking about, you know, 
giving grace to the other person that, you know, are they, maybe they're doing the very best that they can with the time and energy and resources that they have available to them at that point. Oh yeah, totally. Okay. So here's another um, example. Um, there was one of, you know, did you see that meme where it's like the guy's like, he's got his hand on the shark's nose. I think it's from the movie Jaws. It's like an out clip. And it's like, you know, when you tame the, the aggressive patient or whatever, well, I had one of those where, you know, she was super standoffish. Everybody was bad to her. Everything was wrong. We never did anything right. That kind of thing. And then one day she had like this breakthrough. Like we, I, t- I was telling her, I was like, we're here to help you. Like we wouldn't tell you anything that you didn't need to hear. And if we don't tell you, how do you have that power to change? And she just started bawling, like head on my shoulder. It was, it was heartfelt. It was, and it's one of those things where people were walking past the op and they knew that I was behind, but they, it was the whole fact that we work on human beings and we are not machines and we work on body parts that are not reliable because they're organic and bio in, in, in nature. Like there's no way, like. And anybody in medicine can tell you like a schedule is just a suggestion for a lot of, a lot of situations. (laughs) It's not, you know, it's not, it's that one thing that you can't guarantee because you are working on living human beings. Yeah. And I, you said it great. I don't even think I can recapitalize upon that. You're awesome, Rhonda. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just, I'm a good people reader after all these years, like And I tell people all the time, like after 23 years of working inside like mouths, right? These dark, wet holes. And, and you have to think about the mechanical properties of the fillings and, and these protocols and these procedures. And like, it was funny because I, I wish I knew who said this, but they said that had I known going into dentistry was going to be a, oh, what's the word? Um, a service, like a, a customer service job, like because literally it's dictated on how your patient responds to you, regardless of what information, you know, like if, if they don't connect with you, they're not going to hear you. And so they're like, I had no idea this was a customer service industry, but it truly is. You guys dentistry healthcare is a customer service industry. And and when, when you think about that, when you think about that, you also have to remember that your whole team doing that service industry. Oh, and yeah, right. It's like, it's a whole team that's doing that. And, you know, you said something, um, that triggered a thought Rhonda, you know, you were talking about, you know, all the years of experience that you, you've had, and you were really learning to read people. And, you know, I think that's one of the other areas where hygienists and assistants sometimes turn into the roommate instead of the couple is there's not a a mutual respect for the knowledge and skill set that each individual has and brings to the team. And, you know, trying to remember that even though one individual may have been in school longer and has a little more independence uh, in their skill set, doesn't necessarily mean that what they are performing is of the greatest of the greater value comparatively to another individual, because you have to have all of, all of those parts have to work well for the patient. Oh yeah. So here's another one. So like, um, I have another dental assistant, thank God I've been in practices where I'm by myself and it's miserable. Sorry guys. If you're in that situation right now with, you know, being hard to hire people anyways, I digress. So, um, we always talk about our strengths and weaknesses. Like that is one communication tool that I have totally mastered. 
Hey, I don't like this. Why don't I like it? Probably because I'm not good at it. Why am I not good at it? Probably because I don't do it enough. If I did it more, would I like it? Like, and it's, it's, it's good because there are certain things that you find in your career, whether you're a hygienist or a dental assistant that you do and don't like what you're good and good at and what you're not good at. And then finding that feature in the, in your coworkers, like, what do you love to, I love to take FMXs. Let me take your FMX. I love to take CBCTs. Let me take your CBCT. Like, like that whole, um, apples and oranges, yin and y'all, whatever that is, y'all and wing. I don't, I'm not a sailor. Yin and yang. (laughs) (laughs) One of those. But I mean, that was a huge helpful tool was like, what do you like to do? What you don't like to do. And that, cause that was a great crossover to just like, see how I could help my hygienist and how they could help me. Like they see me struggling because my doctor's stuck in another operatory and I need anesthetic on a mandibular block. And if you work in a state where the hygienist can anesthetize, like, Hey, I'll go do your post-op instructions and your fluoride treatment and hygiene one. If you would go get my patient numb, like th- it can happen. You guys. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's where the, the dream really comes together. And, and I think that's one of those moments when, you know, patients start to go, wow, they really do care about me. Look at how well they get along with each other. They must really care and love what they do. And I know that they're going to take the highest care of me when they get to see us work together as a team. It instills confidence for the patient in the practice. Oh yeah. And it's funny. Cause like, um, I work in a fairly small practice. I don't know about you, but I have one dentist, one or two dental assistants that work with me, a hygienist and one admin. And we are this well-oiled machine. Like we even have like a retirement pack. Um, if one goes, we all go. So like, like if you want to talk about like hashtag goals, that's where I'm at right now in my life. Like it is epic. None of us are stressed out because we are like well-oiled machines. We know you know, if a day is hard, it's hard for all of us. If a day is easy, it's easy for all of us. Like there's no one person that bears more load than the other. And I really think that's, if you, if you can find that chemistry and if you can find that team, it will make you want to do what you do for as long as you can do it. Honestly. So Rhonda, do you guys do team building activities to, or early on, were you guys doing team building activities to increase your communication and relationship with each other? Oh yeah. So we would go down to Arizona to spear because my doctor's visiting faculty down there. And we even had this one, I mean, it was like a whole weekend retreat of just personality assessments. So like, it was amazing. Like we took these tests and we talked about our strengths and weaknesses and, and learned, um, like each of us have our own communication style. And it was, it was, it was honestly like the most amazing thing. And, and having fun together was really helpful. You know, like work hard, play hard. Like if, if you can connect with these people outside of the clinic, then you have way more empathy, more compassion for them. Like you, you, you care more, honestly, you do. Yeah. I think that that's uh, sometimes a missing piece to the puzzle for a lot of offices, especially I would say for some of those bigger corporate offices, it seems like it might be a little more challenging to have some of that camaraderie and team building spirit when you have multiple dogs doctors and hygienists and assistants, and people are always on different schedules. And, you know, it's like, you might have, oh, on Tuesdays, I'm working with these two people, but on Thursday, it's these other two people and everybody has their different processes and systems. Uh, I think that's sometimes where a lot of that communication breakdown can happen as well. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always think about like big companies versus like mom and pop shops. Yeah. yeah. Like when there's too many people it's almost like the fabric of whatever we want to call that teamwork or dream work or um, cohesiveness. It, it, it's really hard to bind together, but you know, hopefully you have a good manager who's going to say, okay, you work with this team. Like, cause if they understand like the EQ, the emotional intelligence part of it, they try to create consistency and standardize it. Like, I know it's not easy to do. And, and you know, that's probably why there's so much turnover is like, nobody will care if I'm gone. They didn't care that I was here. Yeah. And I think you hit a, a good point on that is having a, a really excellent uh, manager, whether it's the office manager, HR person, somebody who uh, takes that role on to, to look out for how the team is working together and looking for where there could be cracks happening. Um, and sometimes that may not be the office manager, right? That could be one of the clinical staff that is, you know, constantly kind of looking, trying to keep a pulse on those types of things. I know that, um, you know, I, I, you know, I've worked general private practice when I do all my clinical and, you know, the practice that I'm at right now, there's, uh, kind of, I, I want to say one and a half doctors because one of the doctors is out on maternity leave for a while. So there's, uh, one doctor, three hygienists and, um, two assistants, a sterilization person, and two front office individuals. So that's a lot of, a lot of uh, people to constantly manage. And um, sometimes not all hygienists are there at the same day. Um, and, you know, it really does come down to that office manager in this, in, in my practice, it's the office manager who's trying to keep a point on everybody and says, okay, it looks like we need to figure out and do something fun together. And let's have some more, you know, just fun, not out, you know, not think about dentistry. Let's just do something fun together to rem remind each other that we are humans and that we have lives outside of our dental world and that we can have grace and compassion for each other. Yeah, I, I completely, I mean, it doesn't even have to be big. You guys, we, we, we would, we would have like, I worked for a really big practice once and once a week, we all went to lunch together. Like that was it. And it was just enough to take us out of that setting, to regroup, to get to know each other on a personal level. You don't have to share like, oh yeah, you know, I'm into like bisexuality or I you know open marriage. You don't have to do that. But if you could be like, yeah, you know, my dog, Sammy, he went to the vet last week. Oh, I could, I kind of could tell on Tuesday, you weren't in a very chippy mood. Like it full circle gives you the opportunity to relate to people. Like, and it was just a lunch, you know? And it, it, it doesn't take much. It really doesn't. No, it doesn't. And like, we've done things where we'll just do, I, um, like for example, for Christmas time, we all get the exact same style of ornament and we have to decorate it. And then we put it on a little tree and then we have the patients vote on which ornament that they like the best. And whoever gets the most votes, it's like a, a five or $10 coffee card. But it's one of those things where like, it's something that we're all doing together and having fun with. And, um, you know, there's a little bit of the competitive streak that comes in, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, you're way more creative than me, or, you know, you're going to win. I'm going to win. I'm not going to tell you my ideas. Cause I don't want you to steal them kind of a thing, but it is, it is that camaraderie coming together. And, you know, that is a very, very simple thing to do as, as a whole group together as well. 
Yeah. And so if your dentist is the manager, you know, like in that scenario who, who kind of like has the finger on the pulse of the practice, it, you just have to reassure them. I mean, it doesn't have to cost money. Like they, there's a lot of dentists that are brainwashed into thinking that the only way to make their team happy is with bonuses or with company retreats or, you know, lavish gifts. Like you have to remind them, like just getting to know each other is priceless. I mean, it really is. Amen. <laughs> I don't need a Louis Vuitton back unless you really want to give me one. Well, I mean, exactly. I was like, well, <laughs> I, I, still feel no. e- I still, I feel equally appreciated with that bag. I will say, I will, <laughs> but a thank you goes a long way as well, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to turn it down. <laughs> yeah. And you know, what's really like, I, I, you know, thinking back to where I've worked in fairly toxic environments and having that one person that was twice removed and saw the problem and was able to help us solve it. Like it would take five, 10 minutes, you know, Hey, let's all step in sterilization real quick, or let's go to the lab or, you know, here there. I mean, it can be in the moment. It can be after the moment. I mean, you could preemptively like think about, you know, here, we're going to have a problem with Becky, you know, Becky talks the whole time and she doesn't give you any time to get in her mouth. Um, <laughs> like just, I, I think, you know, people are open to criticism. If you, if you see it from a totally different light, like you can be that, um, you know, that couple instead of the roommates, like, let's just, like you said, I mean, it all goes back to communication, like literally all of this. Yeah, it really does. Now, Rhonda, you know, there are times though, where it just, it's not going to change, right? There's, there's reasons why couples break up, (laughs) Right. And so I think sometimes, you know, individuals have to take stock and look at where they're at and go is, you know, has the effort been made for this to turn into a more positive environment? Is everybody putting the same amount of effort into creating a positive environment? And if not, then, you know, the only way that you can make the rest of the change is to change yourself. And so it's either you change how you act in that scenario or you leave the scenario. Yeah. You and I don't know when to call it quit. Yeah. Yep. I love that. The devil's advocate Tina, over here. Okay. So, and, and it is so true. Like, um, there's so many people that leave the whole industry, like, and you see it on like, uh, Facebook groups, like that trapped in the op thing. I'm like, I, I, I like Elijah. I think he's doing great things, but that already, like just the title of the group makes me think right. of people that are miserable in what they do. Like you went through all this effort, whether you're a dental hygienist, a dental assistant, a dentist, uh, you know, even admin, like you went through all this effort to learn how to do this thing, to do this thing over and over to where you're really good at it. And people see you as an expert and then you're miserable. Like, and then you want to leave. Like, um, I don't actually know where I was going with this, but but th- there are people that aren't meant to be in dentistry. There are, and, but I think, yeah. I, I think Rhonda, what you were going with it is that you can't just have one experience at one office dictate your whole entire career. Yeah. Okay. That's what I said. That's what she said. That's what I wanted to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know where you're going with that. And, and it's, it's kind of like, you know, when you go and you buy your first car and you know, it breaks down on you all the time. Well, you don't just give up on driving because that first car broke down on you all the time. You just do a, your, a better job of researching your car, right? You go through and you're like, okay, so what is it that I want out of my car? And what, what are the safety ratings and what are the, you know, all of the repair 
ratings on it that I want to know. And so, you know, you have to use that as a learning experience of identifying what you can and you cannot tolerate in your working environment. And, and that includes the people that you work with. Yeah. Yeah. I've left one. It's oh, okay. It's my last story for the day. Um, so I was working, it was a small practice, one dentist, one admin, no, sorry, one dentist, one or two admin. One of the admins was the dentist's wife, one hygienist, two assistants. And we had the wife, and I, I know this isn't always the scenario, but if you work in a practice where it's a husband, wife team, one's clinical, one's administrative, like you can, I mean, there are some stereotypes, if you will, of like how that yeah. environment looks. <laughs> there's a stigma there for a reason, right? Yeah. It's not, a, it's not a hundred percent, but there's a stigma there for a reason. Yeah. And, and so they had this lunch and they were basically trying to run this hygienist out. They didn't like her work anymore. Like as for some, I mean, it was years worth of compounded stuff where, so the wife was trying to run this hygienist out. So they didn't have to fire and pay, you know, the, um, unemployment. And they said, you know, if you're not happy here, turn in your resignation tomorrow. And they, you know, you could tell that they were pointing this hygienist out, but the next day the hygienist stayed and I resigned. And she said, no, that conversation wasn't meant for you. I'm like, this is toxic. Okay. Even if it wasn't directed at me, I don't want to be associated with a practice that tries to run people off period and dot. It was wild. Yeah. And, you know, kudos to you for being able to recognize when you were in that environment and being brave enough to take that step. Yeah. And it's not easy. I mean, you guys know dental assistants. I mean, at that time I was making like $12 an hour. So like I, <laughs> that was a lot of money for, you know, at, well, gosh, that was in the early two thousands. Um, but yeah, it's you're living paycheck to paycheck and to have the balls to leave a job that is a solid given paycheck because of your morals. I mean, it takes strength. Yeah, it really does. Well, Rhonda, I want to share a couple of, of my, my experiences with a well-oiled machine and one not so well-oiled, if you don't mind. <clears throat> Hit us. So, you know, when I was, I was one of the fortunate ones where when I came out of dental hygiene school, I went straight into a practice that valued everybody. And uh, there would be times where um, it was a very much of a mutual, um, you know, I scratched your back, you scratch my back kind of a thing. And, you know, when you were talking about certain procedures that people hated, I, um, this was back before digital <laughs> imaging and digital impressions, but, you know, I could not take an alginate impression if my life depended upon it. And, you know, for the longest time, and if I did, it seriously came out horrible. Or if I did it and it looked great. And if I tried to pour it up, it looked like the patient had baby bottle tooth decay, you know, like bubbles everywhere. <laughs> it was horrible. It's cheese. <laughs> and, and so, you know, it worked out really well where, you know, the dental assistant, Erica, that I worked with, you know, she was great. She'd be like, you know what? Let's not worry about it. She would come in and take care of the impressions for me. And then I would go in and I would clean her room. I would just like, while she's doing that, I'll, I'm going to go in and I'm going to clean her room because I don't have to take care of, of that. And then she taught me all of her tricks on how to take effective impressions and how to pour them up so that they don't look like they have baby bottle tooth decay. So we worked together and we honored each other's knowledge and education and time. And, you know, when, when, um, 
both of us left from maternity leave at the same time, you know, the doctor was in a, was in a, a frenzy because he's, he's like, oh my gosh, my, my core is leaving. And, but you know, when we came back, it was like nothing, nothing changed, you know, it was awesome. So that was, that was a perfect example of us just always chipping in, you know, file, it didn't matter who you are. Uh, we were filing charts and um, even the doctor would come up and he'd start filing charts back when we were, there were paper charts. And I think it comes from, you know, the leadership, you know, from the top down and demonstrating that. So that was like, that was a family working together. And then, you know, just a couple of years ago on the flip side, I was working at a, a office where it was, um, you know, there was two hygienists, but we worked on separate days. So we were never there at the same time. And the doctor uh, with just a solo doctor, but she would come in about two hours after the office opened. Cause she had to take care of uh, family stuff in the morning and then the front office person and the dental assistant. So in the morning I would see, you know, I would already have two patients going and completed. And I was, you know, uh, you know, back-to-back -back patients and I'd bring all my stuff into the sterilization area and nothing was ever set up in the sterilization area. The dental assistant, she would come in, she got, she would get there about 15 minutes before I did. And she would sit at the computer the entire time and expect me to get the sterilization room all set up and ready to go to process all of my own instruments and put everything into the sterilizer, turn over all of my rooms for that first two hours. And she didn't come get up and do anything in that area until the doctor came. And there was one day where it was like that. And I was like, can't like, can you help? get the sterilization going because the instruments are stacking up and I, you know, I, my patient is waiting in the waiting room and I have to clean this room so I can seat them. And she got super upset. Lunchtime came and I had been going without a break and I was like, I gotta go. And I left and the sterilization room was still a mess and I got in trouble. She, oh. she got mad at me and I said, Hey, listen, and I just, and I just called it all out. And I, and the doctor didn't know the front office person didn't know that all of that was happening. And so I was like, here's the thing, like we have to work together. And when this is, when my day is starting like that, how am I, I got to take a break too. <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, it was one of those moments where we had to come together and say, listen, you know, by by one person just sitting at the computer the entire time, the, the patient is the one who's suffering. And we had to find yep. that common ground of bringing it back to the patient. Yeah. They are the epicenter, the, the nuclei, <laughs> the alpha yeah. and omega, like without the patients, you have no job period and not <laughs> period and done. And if you don't have clean rooms to put them in, you don't make the money to stick around. <laughs> right. And it's yeah. Oh, that's a whole nother thing. Like you know, just let's, before we end this, let's, let's shoot some ideas out. All right. So, um, your next patient is running late. The hygienist has a patient scenario. A you stay in sterilization piddling around or scenario B you go get them seated, review their health history, take their blood pressure, get them prepped and ready. So the hygienist can flow right over, um, scenario B, uh, you at the end of the day, you, you see that you're, you know, you, you're all done, cleaned up, everything's ready to go, go grab the hygiene instruments while she does her notes or he does his notes. Like you have to think outside the box. I mean, I mean, a well-oiled machine, everybody leaves at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the same thing goes, you know, on the opposite side, 
like we said before, where, you know, maybe the hygienist, their last patient, you know, was scheduled for an hour, but they were done in like 45 minutes and all of their notes are done and everything is all cleaned up. And, you know, the assistant has two or three rooms that have to be cleaned up and they still have to do their chart notes and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's just as important for the hygienist to remember to say, hey, you know, let me come in and help or, you know, what else needs to be done so we can all leave. And, and you know, and, and I think, I think it's just as important to remember that it doesn't, I want to say it again, it doesn't matter how many years of school you have been in, uh, how many letters are behind your name. Um, when it comes down to it, if everybody is respecting each other's time and energy and going, you know what, it's, it, some of these things are universal tasks. We can all work together to make it happen. It, it really does make life a lot easier. Oh yeah. My favorite thing to do is like, see one person vacuuming, one person bagging, one person running suction lines, the other person tearing down sterilization, the other person filing charts. Like this is the shit. (laughs) (laughs) It's the shit. Yes. Yes. Okay. Have we solved the problems? Yeah. We ended world hunger by the way, at the same time. Yeah. It's fascinating. <laughs> I'm so ready. I'm getting, I'm getting my hair done for that Nobel peace prize. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You guys fill, fill out those little forms and just submit it, you know, so we get the recognition we deserve. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, you guys seriously, like, um, have a communication with your dental hygienist, dental hygienist, have communication with your dental assistant. Everybody talk to the dentist to find out what they really want from you. Like, don't let any one person carry the load like recognize. So just have your emotional intelligence dialed up and, and you'll love your job so much more. I mean, cause this yeah. is a huge part of it. Amen. Ah, well, thanks guys for tuning in. Thank you, Tina. Thank you, Rhonda. <laughs>are listening to DA Rockstars podcast, a podcast for dental assistants. I'm your host, Rhonda Holman. I've been a dental assistant for 20 years and I've learned a thing or two along the way. And here's what I've learned. We have to band together to share our pearls so that we can all grow and achieve rockstar status.